This is Helping of Happiness, episode number 127. Today we are giving you a helping of history. We're going to have a little snapshot of the life of Queen Isabella of Castile. We're going to be learning a little bit about her early life and what laid the groundwork for her to be sending Columbus off on his voyage. Hi, you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I'm your host, Hilary Hess, a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to eat and loves to travel. Mom life can be exhausting, hectic, and scary at times, so let's take this journey together. We can love, we can learn, we can laugh, we can cry, and we can become better friends while we're at it. Welcome back to the Helping of Happiness podcast. It's so good to have you here listening today. I have been, during this COVID time, when we started school up, I've been homeschooling my elementary kids. This is not something I've ever done before, but it's I've got a sixth grader, a fourth grader, and a kindergartner, and this just felt like the most stable decision for us with our district going back and forth between online and in person, and I just wasn't sure how much it was going to flip-flop back and forth, so I decided that it would be best for us to homeschool until things kind of calm down a bit. What I didn't realize through homeschooling is how much I would be learning. I've found that I am loving our history time. The time when we go through the history, I teach the kids, and then I find myself reading more and more history books or listening to podcasts to deepen and understand the things that we're talking about and wanting the lessons to go a little bit longer just so that I can learn a little bit more. And in our history curriculum, back a couple months ago, we were learning about Columbus and Queen Isabella and exploration. And Queen Isabella has been on my mind for months. And I feel like I just need to talk about her. I need to share her story, a little little snapshot of it. Her life was not perfect. She was not perfect. There were crazy things that happened with her and the Spanish Inquisition and the holy wars that were going on and all of the rest. But I do think that she plays a really amazing piece in history. And she has some really amazing personal stories that we can learn from and that we can make us be even more inquisitive about history and want to learn even more about what was happening at those times. So let me give you just a little bit of background about the time that Queen Isabella was alive. She was born in 1451, and this time was during the Renaissance. The medieval times had wrapped up, and we we're getting into the time of Donatello and Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and The world is all kind of changing and being creative and art and music and everything is just kind of starting to flourish. And there's a lot of people wondering about what the world is really like as far as discovering new lands and new trade routes. One thing that was pushing that so much is that spices were regarded just as precious as gold and other gems and I mean just a simple spice for an example, pepper, (laughs) just your little peppercorns, your pepper that you would be having on your kitchen table that we don't even think anything about was literally like as precious as gold to people back then. So for them to find different routes to go to China and India and different places that were selling these and growing these spices was just such a huge deal to these people in Europe. 
to get these spices was really difficult because the Turks were in their way across the land and they didn't, they did not get along with the Turks. And so it was really dangerous for them to cross along land. So then for them to get these spices, they would have to go along into the water and take their boats. But they thought if they've traveled south, that as they went further south, the water would start boiling. And as the water started boiling, it would turn people black and they would be stuck and not be able to come back. So isn't that so so crazy, the things that they would think back then? A lot of people thought the world was flat and thought that they would just sail right off. There were some people that were out sailing that were trying to prove that prove that wrong. But I mean, there were just all these crazy things. So for Queen Isabella to send Columbus off was really quite a venture. So let me tell you a little bit about her and then we'll get up to that point. But so she was born in 1451. As I said before, the Gutenberg press had been invented. And so the Bible was starting to get around a little bit more and the Reformation was about to ramp up. Her dad was John II of Castile, and her mother was Isabella of Portugal. When she was born, it really wasn't really a big deal in the kingdom. They already had her half-brother, Henry IV of, of Castile, was going to be he set in line to be the next king. So she was going to be second anyway. And it was really just kind of mentioned, you know, when her father was giving an address, like at the end of the year, oh, by the way, we had a daughter. It wasn't this big pomp and circumstance that it usually is when there's a prince or a princess born. After she was born, when she was two years old, she had another brother that was her actual brother, Alfonso, who was born, that was two years younger than her. And so she then got bumped to be third in line for the crown because of him being a boy. He was automatically pushed into the second spot. And just a few years after that, her father died and things were not good between her mother and her step and her half brother, Henry IV. Henry was not a good guy. He ran a lot of debt. He was really happy with putting the kingdom in a lot of trouble. Wasn't real great about arresting people that were murderers and rapists and all those things and just not a great fella. So Isabella's mother grabbed Isabella and Alfonso and they ran off to this ruined castle with her grandmother and it was really not that great of a place. So a lot of history books say that it was in pretty bad disrepair and she was luckily able to get a pretty good education despite the doom and gloom of the place that they were staying. She was able to receive the, you know, kind of a noble education and also learn a bunch of languages. But they lived in pretty poor circumstances, even though she was a princess. And Henry was supposed to provide for them, but wasn't holding up to his end of the bargain. The other thing is her mom was pretty much just a wreck when she, when they were living there in the castle. She was so depressed when her husband passed away and she moved into this place that she pretty much just cried all the time and was just super sad and wasn't able to care for Isabella quite like she should be able to. And that, and so her grandmother stepped in and really did a lot of the raising. So they were there for several years. And when Isabella was 11, Henry's wife was pregnant. And the rumor was that it was an illegitimate child because all these years he had not been able to father a child yet. And they didn't think that this baby really was his baby, but that's what he was claiming. And Isabella was her and Alfonso were asked to come back to the castle. Isabella was going to be a lady in waiting for his wife and Alfonso was going to be placed with a tutor. And this was really not because he wanted to be a great brother and 
and love and support these guys, this is really because he's wanting to keep his threats close. He was afraid that the country was going to want Isabella or Alfonso to be the next in line and not his daughter. And sure enough, that is what was happening. The nobles started to get really upset. And there was a lot of people in the country that didn't feel like Henry's daughter was legitimately should be the next heir. And during this time, they Henry was trying to make things better with other countries too because he was spending all this money he was printing all this money that wasn't even worth anything in the country and trying to make things better with other countries other connections which which often happens in royalty anyway right but he was definitely using Isabella as a pawn and she really hated it she had been betrothed to Ferdinand when she was six but that pretty much all went out the window so he had all these different marriage options so there was this one guy he he was pretty set on and then that guy ended up being killed because he was treasonous to the king of that of the country that he was from there was another guy that he was super serious about that Isabella decided that she was going to have a messenger go and check out so she had this messenger and think of Isabella Isabella is like 12 or 13 years old or something at this point I mean super young I think about this I have a 12 year old son I cannot imagine him being put in these kinds of situations that she she was in but she was just about to have to marry this guy. And so she had her messenger go and check him out. And so secretly her messenger went and spied him out. And this man was old and he was just a horrible man, just not a good man. And came back and told Isabella all about it. And Isabella was just distraught and just aghast that her brother would have her marry someone like this. And so this is where you see her faith come into play. And Isabella really studied her faith a lot as part of her education that was a catholicism was a huge part of her, of her upbringing and she was praying and praying that she would not have to marry this guy whether she would die or he would die that this marriage would not have to work and so he it was they were engaged and he was on his way to the wedding and what do you know somehow he either got poisoned or he got really sick, but he died on the way to marry her. And that prayer was answered. And I think that it shows such great faith on her part. I cannot imagine that. So the nobles are still all stirred up about Henry's child, right? And so one day they came and they snatched Alfonso and they took him over to this place away from where they were at. And they had like this scarecrow guy like made of sticks and straw and everything and he was made up to look like king henry and they burned him and trashed it down and were saying that he is done being our king and then they crowned alfonso king well this is a problem because half of the kingdom still felt like henry was the king so now we've got a civil war and we have two kings and alfonso fought great in these different wars which is just 11 by the way he is just super young the nation just starts to just love him and so Isabella was in a pickle she had to decide who is she gonna back is she gonna go be on Alfonso's side or is she gonna go be on Henry's side well Alfonso she had a personal relationship with and had grown up with him and Henry had not been a good ally for her and so she went to go back Alfonso and she stayed with him for a little while well 
there came a really sad day when all of a sudden Alfonso was really, really sick and he died suddenly. There was some history books think he was poisoned and some think that he got the Black Plague, but he was only 15 years old. So Isabella was in a very tricky situation now because she didn't have anyone to really care for her. She didn't have anyone on her side because Henry definitely wasn't in looking at her best interest. So she was 17 and she fled to a convent to mourn and she lived as a nun for the summer. She dressed all in white because they dressed all in white instead of all in black at that time to mourn. And while she was there, the archbishop came to give her the title of queen, said that now that Alfonso had passed away, that now this was what she should do. And she said, no, 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 no. I am not doing this. I saw what happened to my brother. I do not want to make a civil war in my country. I love my people. I don't think this is a good thing. This isn't safe. And so she said, I will back Henry, but she needed to have some things in writing between he and her to come to an agreement. So the things to, that they agreed upon was that she was going to be his successor and that she could marry who she wanted. He could give permission, but she wanted to marry who she wanted to marry and that she was supposed to get some land of Castile. Well, we all know Henry is not a great guy. So, of course, he didn't honor that. And he was already trying to set her up with another man. And that was also very horrible. And he also wasn't giving her the land that she wanted. So she started sending letters out and trying to figure out what kind of a wedding match she could make for herself. Now, this is kind of amazing because back in that time, this is kind of unheard of for a woman to be making her own way and making her own choices like this. But here she was, this teenager, and she was not going to let Henry dictate her life. So she sent that same messenger that she had sent to go check out the man who ended up dying on the way to the wedding. And they went to spy on Ferdinand, the, the guy that she was originally betrothed to. And they, the spy, the messenger came back with glowing reports of Ferdinand. He was going to be a great catch. He was loyal and he was a great warrior and that he was good looking and that he was kind. And so she said, this is, this is my best bet. This is what I want. He's over Aragon and Aragon and Castile were both different parts of Spain. And if they came together, then they could create what is more now modern day Spain along and they they got a little bit more together too through some of the wars that they fought but that's what really became our the Spain that we know today so she decided that she was going to say that she was going to go visit her mom and while she was visiting her mom Henry realized that she was trying to get out of this marriage with um this this new guy that he was setting her up I mean there's like half a dozen guys that he kept trying to do but he really wanted this one at this time and so he declared that it would be treason if anybody helped her. And somehow she secretly got a message to the archbishop and the archbishop came and he snuck her away and took her to somewhere safe. And while she was in that place, he got a secret message also out to Ferdinand. And so Ferdinand was super excited. This was a great opportunity for him to be you know, he would love to marry Isabella. She was so desirable, and especially if her position as being a potential queen. And so he like started the started the journey right away. And it was quite a journey and he had to be so secret about it. This is one of my favorite parts of the story. 
is that he dressed up as this servant because no one could know what he was doing or where he was going, if he was going to hurt. So he dressed up as this servant. And as they were staying along the way in the different inns that he stayed in, he even slept with the animals and the mules in the inns out in the stables because he was really being so true to this disguise that he was in. And he got all travel stained and dirty and smelly and gross. Can you imagine sleeping in these inns with these animals? I mean, I think even when I go horseback riding for an hour, I smell like a horse afterwards. Can you imagine? He was probably so gross. I'm sure he was just sleeping in the hay with the poop and all the yucky things. So he arrives at midnight and the archbishop is like, uh, why don't we just wait till morning to see the princess? I'm sure he wanted Ferdinand to clean up a bit and he knew it was super, super late, but Ferdinand insisted that he had to see her right away and they'd never met. I mean, and this is very common in that time that if you're, you know, being wedded to someone from other, some other country, you didn't even see them until the wedding, but he went and he woke up Isabella and she hurried to get dressed and she, cause she was super excited. She's been wondering what this guy is like forever too. They've been writing letters and so she got all dressed up and she came down and she saw him and they just hit it off right at the start and we're married four days later by that archbishop. So I thought that was a really great story that he was so excited to meet her. So eventually Isabella and Henry patched things up. It was rocky for a long time, but they patched things up and very quickly after they patched things up, he died suddenly. And so we're not sure if there's foul play or what was going on with that. But she was declared queen and there was a lot of civil war in her time. Lots of wars with neighboring countries. There, there was just a lot of holy wars going on. The holy wars is something that I feel like in our time, it is so hard to grasp that concept. Why you would go and kill people because they are not of your religion. Because what we know today, we know we respect all people. We, we don't believe in slavery. We don't believe in, we believe in freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But this is not what they were taught back then. Back then they were taught that you were doing this, you were going on these crusades and you were doing, this is their way of converting. This is the way they were going to be having a remission of their sins was to really have Christianity be everywhere. So that feels so foreign to me. And I don't quite understand how she can be prayerful and directed by the Lord in her marriages and in things like that. And then also be slaughtering other people. But that's obviously not for me to judge either. I'm grabbing other things from her life that I really respect about her. Not the Spanish Inquisition. But this was pretty remarkable that I thought. There was one point where, I mean, and her husband Ferdinand was off at war a lot. And he was off at, uh, at this one point, off fighting and here she is. She had some other things because she would sometimes go down to battle. And this, the, in this time, chivalry was a huge thing. So these men would love to fight for their queen. So sometimes she would go to the battle and just the men seeing her would inspire them to try to fight for her and win this war, which is definitely not something that happens these days anymore, I think, either. But I think that that's kind of amazing that they would have that kind of love for their queen of their country. So she would go down and be at the war, just inspiring them along. And there was this one time where the war was coming to an end and she needed to go sign a peace treaty. So she rode 200 miles on horseback, seven months pregnant with her third child to go sign this peace treaty. 
I cannot even imagine what that would be like because I have a hard time going for a 200 mile drive sometimes when I am that pregnant and not feeling all achy and horrible after. So I just thought that was so incredible. So it was pretty soon after that, that she met Columbus for the first time. And the first time they met when he presented his desire to to go on the voyage, things were not, it wasn't a good time. She was kind of wrapping up wars and just super busy and it, it wasn't the right time. So it was a few years before she called Columbus back and sent him on his voyage. So I also want to touch a little bit. I know there's a lot of things, a lot of good and a lot of bad that are out there about Christopher Columbus. Some people revere him as this like magical hero man that has done all wonderful things. He's in, he's incredible. He could do no wrong. And then there's the other side that say he was this horrible man and he did all these awful, awful, awful things. My view is that I feel like he is in the middle. I feel like he did a lot of really wonderful things, but he was a man and he did things that weren't good as well. And sometimes he made really bad decisions and sometimes he got blamed for other people's actions as well. Especially as you dive more into history and you see different accounts that people wrote, you can see that there is a lot of slander, but there is also a lot of good. And I think that the truth has got to be somewhere in the middle. So the really thing that was amazing about Christopher Columbus and Isabella is that the first time that they they met, she was super impressed by his confidence to bring back these treasures of the Indies, these spices and possibly gold and different things like that, because spices were regarded so... Can you imagine eating food without spices? I mean, their food must have just been awful. So when they had pepper, they that was like their, their spice... They would put it in even their desserts. They would put it in everything because it was like the only thing to flavor their food. That would just be, I can't even imagine, just so gross. So cinnamon, they wouldn't even jar it in their open markets like they usually would because they wouldn't want any of it to blow away. So they would even go in a special room when they were trying to portion it out so that they could keep all the spices contained. That's how precious these spices were to them. And so they, this was, this was a really big deal. And it wasn't only the spices, but what really moved her to say yes to this voyage is that he had a fervent desire to bring back the Christian religion to these new lands. And Christianity was everything to her. She was such a religious person. She heard this and she offered to even pledge her jewels, her crown jewels, if necessary, to to fund the journey. Now, another myth is out there that she actually sold the jewels. She didn't actually sell them, but she did offer them up as collateral if they needed it for the journey. So I think that that is just really incredible. And I think it's something to really think about. What would we do? What are we, what vanity are we ready to put aside something that is precious to us for our religion? Would we give up something as precious as our crown jewels. What a lesson for our daughters. I just thought this was such a great lesson for my daughter who loves beautiful, pretty things, which I think is wonderful and great. It's great to love wonderful and beautiful things, but to be willing to give that up and to give up that status in the name of the Lord, I think is really incredible. I hope that this gives you just a little snippet of history to go into this Columbus day to think about. And I also wanted to just 
share with you really quickly something that kind of tied into our podcast from last week. So last week we had on Becky Squire and we talked a lot about spiritual gifts. And I think that Queen Isabella has lots of spiritual gifts. There's, there's, she's definitely have patience. You had to have so much patience, independence. She had grit. She had determination. She had faith. She had perseverance and devotion. She was responsible. She had great leadership qualities. Her country and her people loved her. She had a great work worth ethic. And I think that Columbus had a lot of really great spiritual gifts too. And he was convinced that the key to his enterprise was these spiritual gifts given to him by the Lord. And he says, he bestowed the arts of seamanship upon me in abundance and has given me what was necessary from astronomy, geometry, and arithmetic, and has given me adequate inventiveness in my soul. He was certain that God provided these gifts to be used in God's service. And he said, it's encouraging me to go forward without ceasing. They inflame me with a sense of great urgency. So I don't know if there is ever a time when you have felt impressed by the Lord to have an urgency to go do something or to act in a way. And it's probably not going to be in a huge way like discovering another continent. I know in my life that is certainly not it or to rule a kingdom. But I felt that in other small, tiny ways, like just the whisperings of I'll give you a quick little example. For example, also in a decision of marriage. Well, it wasn't even quite marriage yet, but. I was just getting to know my husband and I was just meeting him. And I remember we were having lunch, like with a couple of our friends who seemed to have bumped into him and some other people. We talked about maybe going out the next weekend and we'd been hanging out a lot. And I kind of thought he liked me and I liked him. And he talked about going out on the weekend and I was walking home from lunch back to my dorm. And I, and he had talked about, that he had to work though, that he, if he could get out of his work, that we could go out and do, do something fun. And I just felt impressed on my heart that I should pray that he could get out of that work obligation, which just seemed so crazy because I'm sure we could have hung out another time, but it just felt like this was a turning point in our relationship. And at his job, he had never just been able to get out of work. He was a referee for the intramural program, and they always needed the ref. They're not just going to call the ref and say, don't come. <laughs> they, they need him. They were always needing him to come, like, can you come an extra day because our other ref couldn't make it or something. But it just so happened that for some reason they called him and told him that they didn't need him for work. And I felt like that was a true answer to my prayer. And truly, that was our first real date. And... That's where our relationship took a huge turn. And I know that all the good things that have come in my life have become because I've married my husband and I'm so grateful for him. And I, I know that those simple little prayers can affect huge directions in our life. And, and it may feel silly to hear that for you about me, but I know what I felt in my heart, just as Columbus knew what he felt impressed in his heart, that he felt like he was pushed towards the discovering this new land from the Lord, that this wasn't something that came from him. So we can only know in our own hearts when we're feeling those things. I would just encourage you to listen to those and pray for the help from the Lord and all the little details in your life. And I hope you have a fantastic week. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Have a very happy Columbus Day. Also, if you're wondering about all the different resources and books and articles that I used for my research, 
All of that is in the show notes. So you can go ahead and click on the show notes and you can see where I got all the different information that I used for this podcast. So if you are enjoying having this little history moment, a little helping history, will you let me know and we'll have more podcasts like this in the future. Have a great day.